All right. Welcome to a very special episode 25 of Soccer Over Gotham 2022 expansion draft show. We are going to break down everything you need to know about the expansion draft, who we are going to protect and who we aren't and why. As with last episode, everything is better with friends. So I brought back some good friends of the show to break down their team's expansion drafts as well. So let's introduce the party. I'm your host, Gary, representing Gotham FC. And I'm Bree. I'm representing uh, the Orlando Pride. And I'm Michael uh, from FlordaLeeFC.com, representing Racing Louisville. All right. Welcome back, friends. So, Bree, is, you're now the second, third time guest on the podcast, which is a lot of fun. Oh, nice. You're right up there with best, yes, you're up there with best friend of the show, Jenna Tonelli. So, you're in special category there. And the last time I talked to Michael was, uh, it's a pretty crazy time. We, we we had done our interview, and then the whole league shut down because of the Paul Riley thing, and we lost that weekend of game. So we kind of had this interview that's kind of just sat out there. <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. but yeah, so this is going to be a lot of fun, guys. So uh, I can't wait to see your guys' list. But before we do, there's a ton of storylines going around the league. So please give us some storylines for your club this season and kind of your reason for optimism for 2022 Bree, you start okay so um first and foremost let me get out the way i i don't want i know that pride fans a good chunk of pride fans are panicking over uh, this potential ashlyn harris and ali krieger trade to uh gotham fc um nothing has been official yet guys so let's 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 try and hold back our tears. Let's hold back our feelings. You know, let's wait till we get something uh, concrete, and then let me assure everyone that losing them is not the end of the world. It's the end of a narrative, but it's not the end of the world. And um, we'll go. I'll go a little more into that when I go into um, my list. But yeah, let's. It's horrible, but I don't think it's like season ending, you know. It's it sucks. I was hoping they they retire in Orlando, but it is what it is. Uh that's kind of the main narrative that's going around right now, but I don't think that should be our our main one. Um what I want to to point out is very interesting is that when we had the first California club, Angel City, uh you know, peek its head out Everybody kind of assumed, okay, either Alex Morgan is going or Kristen Press is going because they're both from California. And then when San Diego popped up, they thought, okay, they can just, one of them can pick whatever team they want. It is interesting that Alex Morgan's name has not been mentioned yet for either uh, California team, which I think bodes really well for Pride fans and that we can keep her and Sydney Luru for this upcoming season. They've already proven that they have a really dynamic and effective uh, partnership. The two of them combined uh, for you know more goals than any other the starters of the forwards that we have. So I, I think it's good to know that even though we will lose Ashlyn Harris and Ali Krieger, it looks like we are going to keep Alex Morgan. And since one of our biggest problems has been where are the goals coming from keeping Alex Morgan is, is going to, you know, kind of be a little bit of a relief for, okay, so we're not, 
we're not losing everybody. We still have our main gore scores. Uh, LaRue has already said that she's coming back. Her contract is good to go. So in keeping that partnership, I think that that's kind of the, the more narrative we should be looking at is not necessarily losing, but who we're keeping and how we can, you know, move our best foot forward with the Orlando pride. I want to go back a little bit and look kind of how our season went because Gary, the last time you and I talked, I was, I had a lot more optimism than uh, I did at the end of the season. (laughs) Uh, Orlando was kind of flying high and then we were coming into a really weird coaching situation and I was kind of hoping that things would steady out from there and they didn't. Uh, They really kind of hit rock bottom. I think the only reason they did not finish dead last was because simply Casey would not allow that to happen. But I was really disappointed with where we were at the end of the season. Uh, I don't think the interim coach that they brought in was the best fit at all. She made some really questionable roster decisions She kind of doubled down on a starting lineup that was not working. So when the season ended, I was like, "Mm, I'm not really happy about where this is going. We have a speculation for a new head coach. Um, She, if she does come in, if this is who, you know, all the rumors are saying that it is, then she will be bringing in a very interesting dynamic into this group. Uh, she she has wins under her belt, uh, recent championship wins under her belt. She's uh, coached uh, former Pride players, so that's good that she'll be more familiar with us if she is indeed the head coach. So I think that's another narrative that we can definitely be keeping an eye on. And I'm glad that we will have that situated before the draft. One of my biggest concerns was if we don't have a head coach by the time the draft rolls around, What's going to happen to this roster? Because who you start the season with, you know, kind of makes or breaks how that roster is going to go, you know, in terms of deciding who's going to be in in the college draft. And so I feel a little more relieved that, okay, I don't have to necessarily worry about that. So that's good. I said a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And I think we're going to have to fight about this trade, this possible trade later. Um, Yes, we will. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's interesting because the the new coach uh, that you guys are bringing in, supposedly, uh, also is an investor in uh, Angel City, which is kind of weird. I guess NWSL doesn't care for (laughs) those type of things. I was going to say, I feel like that's kind of on par for how the NWSL has just been like operating this whole season oh what's a conflict of interest you know that's just a fancy word in the dictionary it's not real it couldn't possibly have any impact on how we run our businesses and our teams yeah so all right michael so give us some of your storylines and then give us your reason for optimism in 2022 yeah, Gary, I think the biggest storyline for um, racing was just how much on-the-field success they had in the year. I know that sounds funny for a team that finished um, in ninth place, but it did. they did have a victory in the Women's Cup, defeating 
uh, Bayern Munich. And while that's just kind of a glorified friendly, it's the chance to lift a trophy, uh, which was fun for the team and the, and the fans. So um, that was a big deal. Um, they got the most ever um, points for an expansion team. So they broke Orlando's record for that. So that was another um, another thing that was a positive. And uh, they started to play a little bit better at the end of the year. They got five points from uh, nine possible in their last three matches. So they've had a lot of on-field success. But uh, as much as racing has had success, I think the big winner was actually the city of Louisville. Um, If you read any of the press that Louisville got around hosting the NWSL final, uh, I mean, it was all, you know, pretty much 100% positive. Everybody that I spoke to that was able to attend had a great time. Uh, The players loved the stadium. Um, You know, um, several of them said some very positive things about the stadium, and I think it looked you know, I didn't see it on TV because I was there in person, but I heard that it looked fantastic on TV as well. Um, the other thing that I'll mention, uh, and it's because Louisville's in a little bit of a unique situation, is just how much the city has embraced racing. Um, it's funny, and I'll get to this a little bit more in a minute. So uh, racing is owned by Soccer Holdings, which also uh, owns the USL club, uh, Louisville City. But um, it's pretty much impossible to go for a drive in the city of Louisville without seeing um, a racing or Louisville city or both magnet on somebody's car. They're just kind of ever present. I'm just amazed at how, how many times I'm out in traffic and like there's a Louisville city magnet, there's a racing magnet. So the, the city has really uh, embraced the team. So that's kind of my story. Now, number one is, you know, had, a, had some, you know, on, on the field success, but also kind of some success being embraced by the city was second in attendance as well in average attendance. I don't know if that'll carry forward next year, but um, it's good for an expansion team. So we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, the, my storyline number two is, is just kind of, uh, you know, going back a little bit to, you know, some of the things that you talked about earlier is just the, the off field issues. Um, it, it, it makes me wonder how prepared the uh, ownership group and the leadership group was for the NWSL. Um, you know, they hired a coach in Christy Holly that if they'd have done a little bit more research, I think they probably wouldn't have hired. Um, so it makes me wonder a little bit about uh, if they really knew what they were getting into with the NWSL. Um, and, and this is a, an, an organization that is, is beloved by most fans in the city. So a lot of times it's the uh, organization or the leadership can do no wrong. Uh, but there are some times where they make some very odd decisions and you're looking at them as like, why are people supporting these decisions? This is not the right decision. So it'll be uh, interesting to see if they've learned from that. And the big um, test for that will be who they name as the next coach. Um, I have no idea who it is. Uh, I've asked around. Um, nobody has uh, said anything yet. The only only thing that I'm thinking of is, that could be a possible part of the delay is maybe the person is involved in the NCAA tournament in some perspective and is got to, it is involved with a team that's still playing. Um, but if it's not that, I don't know what they're waiting on, but it, it sounds like in some of the rumblings that I've heard that they know who the coach is, they just can't announce, but I guess we'll see if they got that right and time will tell on that. Um, the, um, the other storyline and, and it is, this is the, you know, the uh, the roster being an expansion team was just extremely unbalanced. So I think they did a good job 
with uh, the roster that they had, but in no way would I think you construct a roster where you only had three nominal midfielders. And basically you had forwards dropping into midfield and having to take up midfield positions. Uh, so basically every every attack that uh, racing did pretty much bypassed the midfield. So that'll be something that they'll look for um, next year. And that's kind of my uh, reason for optimism next year. Um, number one, I'll say this selfishly, is that uh, pretty much every p- player in the league got a chance to see uh, Louisville Stadium and Louisville's facility. So um, that the the players that got to see that can have kind of seen as like, yep, this is what we probably all deserve, but only Louisville really has it right now. So um, if you're looking at, you know, if there's possible free agency in, in the CBA, uh, Louisville might be up there with the top destination based on what the facilities can provide and what the stadium looks like. Um, they also have, uh, picks, uh, two and four. We found out today. I was hoping for one and four, but they got two and four today. So you get two more top draft picks. So that's another reason for uh, optimism. And I I think they'll be ready for a playoff push next year. Uh, I'm assuming that we'll go to six teams again, but you know, the the NWSL changes things so much, who knows what the uh, playoffs will look like next year. But if it's six teams, I think they'll be ready to make a, make a push next year, but we'll see. Yeah, no doubt. And that brings me to my little bone to pick with the NWSL. They -hmm. released their draft order and they put it on on Twitter and it's completely wrong. Uh, They didn't add the trades that Gotham had from last year. So we should have two draft picks in the first round and they only gave us one. They they gave it to to Chicago, which is our pick. And then the second round, we traded our pick to uh, OL for Ali Long and they gave us that pick so it's wrong they're gonna to have to update it but that's just so nwsl of them they had a year to add those changes to it but whatever they just want to keep us keep us guessing i guess they like being yeah. strong that's... and wrong yeah i like that strong yeah. and wrong yes <laughs> all right so for gotham it was it's been an amazing season and we are the ones who kind of kicked off i guess so I guess Lee can thank us for kicking off the crazy domino effect of we lost our GM. Uh, so we were kind of the first domino in that line of succession. Uh, we lost our GM for violating the anti-harassment policy, and we still don't know exactly why that was. So who knows? Uh, but so there was that. And then we lost our coach midseason after we found out that she was playing double duty with the expansion team Angel City. Uh, which was pretty crazy. And then we, this team is incredible. It was a bunch of veterans on this team. So I think our average age of the playoff game was 32 of our starting roster. So it's a pretty veteran heavy team. And this team held together through all of that craziness. And they passed the captain's band around. And it was just an amazing season to watch them all fight for each other. And we just never gave up. And they fought their way all the way to the playoffs. And we ended up, Essentially, we ended up scoring more goals than we were supposed to. We ended up giving up less goals than we were supposed to. It was a crazy season, but in the end of it, the table didn't lie for us. I think we ended up exactly where I think we should have been. And there is the reason for optimism is, you know, next, when you look at those house shows where they talk about rebuilding a house, they always talk about whether it has good bones or not good bones, meaning like the structure of the house is, it, is the intangibles there. And this team, 
has good bones. We have a veteran heavy lineup. I don't think we're going to lose many players in this expansion draft. And I think we're going to use a lot of our new draft picks to get younger. We're going to bring in some younger players. And I feel that with Midge Purse, Anamato's strike pair up front is going to be deadly. Players like Dorsey, Monahan, Pinto, and Viennes, all top talent that's going to take the next steps in their development. And under Scott Parkinson, our new coach, we didn't lose a game during the regular season. That's pretty impressive. Uh, the only one who was better than that was Washington's coach. So that's a good good place to start. And I'm super excited for this team. So let's go Gotham. Uh, expansion draft setup. Let's move on to the expansion draft. Before we begin, let's go over the rules for the 2022 expansion draft. So we're all on the same page. So basically, teams can, can only protect nine players. Of those nine players protected, each club can only protect one U.S. allocated player. More on that in a minute. Players on a team's discovery list are not eligible for selection. Discovery list players do not need to be designated or protected. It, you know what? It's a stupid rule, and nobody. it makes no sense to anybody. And I think it only applies to Mutri at this point. So let's just forget we ever mentioned it. <laughs> uh, Angel City and San Diego can select one player from each team for a total of nine selections, 18 in total, and the expansion teams cannot select more than one U.S. allocated player. Angel City and San Diego will each be given 150000 of allocated money grants. They can use that to uh, exchange players and pay back a team if they take a U.S. allocated player. All right, those are the ground rules. Now, I'm curious your two thoughts. Uh, so, one team that had an interesting decision, actually, we were actually going to do this, but I think, I don't know if the Red Stars still have all their players. They lost Ertz. They lost, right? They still have Davidson, Nair, and Pugh, correct? Yeah, they, they, they lost Yeah, I know they lost Ertz. Ertz. Yes, they lost Ertz. Okay. So they still had Davidson, Pugh, and Nair. Um, and I think there's an all points bulletin out for an air. I don't think we anyone's seen or heard from her in months, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but so if you were, if you guys were Chicago, who would you guys choose to protect out of Pew Davidson and Nair? Um, I, I I would go Pew. I think. Um, I mean, not really based on much other than. Um, when I talked to her at the women at the uh, NWSL final, I really liked her. I mean, that's all it's based on, really. So <laughs> she was a great yeah. interview. She was funny. Uh, so yeah. I, uh, so we'll just say Pew. <laughs> Who are you gonna take, Bray? Uh, um, Pew for me is a little on the unpredictable side, just in terms of uh, injuries. But then again, so is Davidson. So it's kind of like. Do you pick, do you protect someone who has at least like has points up on the board to show for it? Or do you protect someone that, you know, when it comes down to it, they are kind of exactly who you need in the back. Oh man, you know what? I think I'm going to protect Davidson. Yeah, I'm going with Davidson. She's the youngest of the bunch. She's the healthiest and the least of the headaches of all of them. So one last piece of context before we give our list, we should look back on Michael's Louisville expansion draft and see what we can learn from it. You know, overall expansion drafts are for young players. Louisville did not draft a single player over the age of 26. The only exception was a goalkeeper, but as we know, keepers get better with age. And there was an interesting move by picking up the rights of press and Heath. 
So what was the reasoning behind that, Michael, to your best, <laughs> to your best guess? Um, I, I don't know that there was any reasoning to that. I, I, you know, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> the, um, the, the press move got them uh, especially beaten up on Twitter, but uh, it also got them the number two pick in this year's draft. So I don't think they'll have any complaints about that. Um, the, uh, the Tobin Heath one, um, you know, again, I don't know that that made any sense, but she's at Arsenal and I'm an Arsenal fan. So I'm okay with that. Um, I, you know, I, I think what, what I heard, and again, take this for what it's worth was that by the time they had reached their 12th picks, they had kind of gotten everybody that they wanted. And so they just took a couple flyers. Um, and I've heard differing accounts on whether they actually talked to, um, to Tobin Heath or, or Kristen Press um, before they drafted them. And I've heard they had, they did, and I heard that they didn't. So who knows what the truth is on that. Um, but I, I mean, I think they got, um, I think it was just a couple of flyers there at the end that they wanted to uh, to uh, to do. Or maybe Christy Hall just did it out of spite. I don't know. Because uh, uh, he was in the draft room. So who knows? Uh, yeah. We'll just put that out there. But uh, I, I mean, I don't think it had any real impact on the season. I don't think anybody in Louisville expected them to be here. Uh, past a few people that were just gung ho over them being here and super excited about him, but I don't think either one of them were any uh, ever seriously considered coming here. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so on to what we're here for: our protected lists. Let's work our way down the rosters into four categories. First, our U.S. allocated player, uh, our protected group, wild card players, basically who could be in that play for that last player pro- uh, protected. And lastly, uh, who we expect to see go in the draft. So let's get to it. Who are you protecting with the U.S. allocated picks, Michael? Oh, right. You don't have any U.S. allocated picks. Uh, yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Fox will certainly be on the, the list of next season. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, I want to say a piece about uh, about that, uh, Gary. It, it's, uh, you know, that's uh, Fox will almost certainly be on it next year, which, which will be a, a little bit of a help to the team. Um, but being a, um, being a person who's a fan of club football over international football, I kind of don't care about, uh, the international players because I think they're all, um, they probably, the, the U S women's national team is skewed older recently. And I understand why. Um, but I think that's getting ready to skew younger. So we're, we're going to see them, um, and we're going to see quite a few pe- uh, players be on that list, uh, especially next year. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if Fox ends up on there. There's a couple other players that could potentially end up on there for Louisville. But yeah, not not hurting my feelings too much, not having anybody on here this year. Though Fox will be on there next year. Yeah, Fox is special. She, yeah. looks, like, she looks like she's got a really, really high ceiling. I can't wait to see her uh, more with the national team and yeah. with Louisville. So, Bree, who do you got with Harris, I think, Krieger, and Morgan at this moment? <laughs> I, I mean, I think we're protecting uh, Morgan, and I think the plan was always to just go ahead and protect Morgan, uh, unless like we wake up tomorrow morning and all of a sudden we have like two national team players in addition to Morgan. Then you know, I guess they can cast lots. But I think the plan was always to protect uh, Alex Morgan. Yeah, yeah, that's who I would protect, Bree. That would I would agree with that. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, for us, we only got one. It's Mitch Purse. Easy button. So let's get to our protected seven. So, Michael, you got a protected eight now. So you go first. 
Okay, uh, so I actually published this uh, a couple weeks ago, so I think I'll go pretty much chalk from that, although I may switch it up just a little bit. Um, so number one is Fox, obviously, and then uh, Nadim is number two. Uh, and boy, we had an interesting discussion on Twitter, Twitter with that. If you ever say anything about Nadia Nadim on Twitter, expect a reply if she doesn't like it. So uh, I was on the right side of the argument on that one, but uh, she weighed in on uh, on somebody's comments. So that was an interesting thing. Yeah, so she, she, said, she said she said no matter what, I am not leaving this great team. So. That's what she said. We wanted to we wanted to hear that, but, uh, but yeah, it was it was interesting as you know, just a little you know comment here or there. She kind of took that personally, you know. But I was on the defending side. Um, so yeah, so Fox Nadim, uh, then uh, Jimba Bonner, Ebony Salmon. Um, kind of no-brainers there. Uh, then uh, CC Kaiser, who had a really, really good year for racing, uh, probably their most consistent offensive player um, all season. And then uh, McCaskill, and then uh, I think those are those six are no-brainers. And here's where we kind of get into the the speculative piece of it. Uh, I would protect uh, Yuki uh, personally, and I think that the club will too. Um, Yuki kind of grew on me throughout the season. Uh, I thought that she was probably the most calming influence on the field. And I could see a young club like San Diego maybe wanting to go get that and say, hey, here's a calming presence. You know, she's very marketable. So I think she's worthy of protection, even though she is, I think, 34, will turn 34. And then um, the uh, at number eight, I've got, uh, I've got Taylor Otto, um, a uh, – you know, she was a captain at North Carolina for a couple of years, but really was out injured most of the year. But it, but toward the end of the year, showed a showed a lot, I thought. And I have her protected uh, slightly over Freya Olafson, um, just because uh, Freya is an international, and um, I think Freya has more value to Louisville than she would to um, San Diego. So we'll see. I think they roll the dice and, and uh, protect Otto and leave Freya out there, hoping that she won't get taken. Yeah. All right, so what's your kind of thoughts on that list? Is there anything, um, your overall kind of thoughts? Is a strong base for your team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the other thing that, uh, and we'll get to this later, is, you know, no no goalkeepers protected. I, I don't know that any clubs will protect goalkeepers, but I think racing is going to roll the dice. And uh, I hope that Michelle Betos is back next year. She was my player of the year and, you know, a personal favorite for me. But if it, works out that she gets picked up by San Diego and, you know, you could do a lot worse than having her be, you know, your leader on your team. She did great for, for Louisville. Um, Katie Lund is the backup, I think is ready. So we really kind of have one and one a, so there'll be goalkeeper competition uh, at racing for sure this year. And I don't know who's going to win it, frankly, but, um, but anyway, no, no keepers on the list because I think we got one and one a, so they'll feel comfortable with whoever, if San Diego were to happen to pick one of the goalkeepers, we're, we're racing's comfortable with the other one. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Bree, what is your protected list? So I have uh, Erica Timrak. I have uh, Allie Riley. I have Courtney Peterson. I have Bibi McLaren, Taylor Korniak, Gunny Young's daughter, and Maggie Dory Howard. Um, I am not protecting Marta only because. I think that kind of no matter what, she's going to stay at Orlando, seeing as how she's currently engaged to an Orlando player. I, I kind of don't see them splitting that up only just because I'm in 
romance at heart. I don't know. Um, May- Maggie Joy Howard, I'm protecting her because I thought that she was so good at Washington and that when we drafted her, or not drafted her, when we traded for her, you know, she came in and she was almost an immediate uh, good experience, good change on the field. She did pick up a couple of knocks, and so she didn't play as much as I would have liked there towards the end of the season, but I think she's worth protecting. Uh, I'm protecting Gunny because even though she is an international, she's not as gone as other internationals. And she is a bulldozer out there on the field. She'll go out and she'll play any position that you need her to. I keep waiting to see her in goal one day. And I just think that her no-quit attitude and just, you know, always going and going and going is good motivation for the team, and it kind of keeps them. Taylor Korniak, I really think that, you know, she is only going to get better and better and better. Um, she already proved that, you know, she can score when she needs to, she can drop back if she needs to. Um, she's just a really hard worker. And honestly with her height, she's like six foot 10. So I'm, I'm keeping her kind of no matter what, um, Phoebe McLaren, I promise you, I'm saying it right here, you know, mark down the date. I swear she is going to be on the national team in a couple of years. She came in. You almost never would have been able to tell that she did not have a lot of professional minutes under her belt. She came in, slaughtered herself in the back, and just proved, she proved time and time again that she was a game changer, that she was a good starter, that she was reliable. She's aggressive, and she got to find a way to, like, you know, contain that a little bit more but she's so good she has saved our butts numerous times she gels really well with the back line i i like i'm i'm protecting her no matter what uh and same with her partner in crime uh courtney peterson courtney peterson has a lot of raw talent and raw potential she's also kind of all over the place like phoebe is as well but i think you know after this season she was able to really see okay what it takes to play in a professional league and I think she's going to be even better uh, as the season goes on. So I'm definitely protecting her. I am protecting Allie Riley, uh, kind of almost in the same vein that I'm protecting Gunny, is that even though she's not gone as often, uh, she's still an international, but she's able to kind of move around on the field uh, a little more freely uh, than most uh, other defensive uh, players. So I'm keeping her... I'm also keeping Erica Timrak. She is my dark horse for this year. I thought that, you know, everything she touched turned to gold. She became my favorite player, you know, and for her to make the decision to come back and play at Orlando after everything that happened and the se- to have the season that she did, yeah, like um, I'm protecting her. So those are, those are my protected. I am going to say that my wild card protection – uh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to say that it's probably going to be uh, Marissa Vigiano only because she was someone that we drafted kind of with the idea that slowly but surely the team would be built around her. And even though she didn't showcase the best that she could last season, I think with continued experience and veteran uh, support in the midfield, that she will eventually lead this team. Um, so I think that her, Maggie Dory Howard in the midfield with Courtney Peterson and Phoebe on the back line, that's that to me is the future of Orlando. 
Um, we're no not going to – I don't think we're – we're definitely not protecting any goalkeepers either. Yeah, with goalkeepers, it's – there's too many talented players in the pool, so they could – it's the chances they're going to take a goalkeeper is going to be very, very slim. They're probably going to end up trading for one. Speaking of which, uh, so Gotham is a bit different. So where this is with the caveat that that trade is has not happened yet. So if – if Harris and Krieger do come to Gotham, that throws everything off because Gotham has to move three or four players to make that happen. So if that does happen, forget everything I ever I say from going here forward. But let's just move on as if we that didn't happen. Okay. So I'm protecting if Ioma Anamanu, her strike partner, uh purse is gonna be amazing. Their partnership's gonna be amazing next year. So I'm also protecting Kaylin Sheridan. The and the the Fat Mob Player of the Year, which is Caprice Didasco. And then I'm protecting a lot of young players like Brianna Pinto, Imani Dorsey, Evelyn Viennes. And then I'm also going to protect Ali Long just because uh, Angel City has already tried to tamper with Gotham once for her. So, you know, she says she's staying, but good luck with that $20,000 missing at Angel City. I, I don't like you already. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this team's a very veteran team and it's very veteran heavy. So I'm going to protect all the young players. And I don't think Angel City or San Diego is going to take a player over 32 because, uh, you know, how much longer are they going to play? They're building for the future, just like Louisville did. So here's where it gets a little tricky. Let's get to our wild card players. These are players that you could see your team protect uh, with that last spot. Michael, who are you protecting? All right, so we got a choice here, as, as I mentioned earlier. You've got, uh, you know, they if uh, if they were going to protect a goalkeeper, they uh, protect Katie Lund, so that's a possibility. Um, Kaylee Real uh, at, at center back is another possibility. In fact, I can't remember if she was on my list, my original list. She might have been. Uh, and then uh, Amina Ekich, who is from Louisville and has a lot of markability around town. Um they could protect her, but she's much more valuable to Louisville than she would be for San Diego. So I don't think there are anybody. I don't think San Diego's a risk at taking her. So I, you know, I don't think Louisville will protect her. Uh, but I'm going to go with Addison Merrick. She was the uh, number one overall pick in the expansion draft last year and and spent pretty much all season injured. So racing hasn't got a chance to see what she can do. So uh, I'm thinking they're going to protect her and give her a shot to. Um, to be part of the team. Um, you know, I actually heard um, through the grapevine that racing was planning on playing a back three um, hmm. with Merrick and they just never had enough healthy center backs to do that. And that was my question pretty much from day one uh, covering racing is, Hey, you're an expansion team. Why not play a back three and try to counter attack? Uh, especially with how the, the team was set up. Um, and so I, I did hear that that was possibly the plan that they thought that much of her to stick her, you know, maybe in the center of a back three or all, at least on one side of that. So I think they protect Merrick, um, and, uh, as the last one, but you know, there's other options as well. And this, this list could be, uh, you know, completely wrong, <laughs> which would be yeah. about right for me. So we'll see. <laughs> all right, Bree, uh, you said you were protecting with your last pick. I was pre- protecting, um, Marissa Vigiano. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be my wild card pick. So for Gotham, yeah. 
All right, so for Gotham, my wild card players, like this is a tough, this is a really tough one because I got Freeman, I got Cujo, Monahan, Zerboni. Zerboni, I could possibly see her getting picked. Uh, I got to protect the young players, Monahan, uh, Cujo, and Freeman. Freeman was injured pretty much all season. She's been injury prone. Cujo, for some reason, Freya did did not quite play her as much as she could, so I doubt she would take her to Angel City. She might get taken by San Diego, maybe, but I got to protect Monahan because she's at that right age and she's going to get better and better and she's that wing player and she's at the profile of every player that you know Louisville took. The expansion drafts are kind of made for, so I got to protect Paige Monahan. So finally, let's get to who we think are going to get taken. So let's pick one or two players that you think could get taken from each of our teams. Michael, you start with your first two team, two picks. Yeah, I saw I wrote this in my column. I, I think um, Shayna Matthews could get picked. Um, she didn't get to show everything that she could do for racing, but boy, she was great off the bench and brought uh, energy off the bench and you know, is kind of right there in the prime of her career. I think she's 27 years old, which, you know, for a footballer is kind of right in the prime of your career. So they could take Shayna. Um, I think that's up to Shayna, though. Uh, if Shayna wants to stay, uh, I think Louisville will work something out to where um, to where she can stay. Um, but if she, you know, wants to go out to California, um, I think they, you know, um, Man, courage somehow <laughs> that she get taken, but we'll we'll see. But I think that would be a great pick for San Diego if they got Matt, Matthews. Uh, they could pick Ekic. Uh, I don't think they will. The other op- option there is they could go uh, go out and pick pick Katie Lund as a goalkeeper. They got to get goalkeepers from somewhere. I mean, Racing picked two keepers in their draft last year. So while you don't protect your goalkeepers, they get taken. So if you were going to build a goalkeeper in the lab, I think you'd kind of build Katie Lund as your prototype. You know, big, strong, tall, good with their feet, kicks a long ball. So they could do a lot worse. And Katie Lund is a young goalkeeper if they were going to do that. So that might be the direction they go with Louisville. Yeah. And then, Bree, who do you got? So I think that it would be if they're wanting to go young, um, I think that uh, picking Chelsea Washington would be a good move. She's a player that we've kind of been tinkering with for a while now. Uh, she's still a little rough around the edges, but when we have had her come into games, she has been, you know, um, she's been really good. She's been really strong. Uh, she's not afraid to go out and make those hard plays. And, you know, the league, the league loves a good villain. So, um, and while I don't necessarily would think that she would be a villain type player, uh, she is young enough and she does, she's very eager to please. And so now that we've loaned her over, to the W League to get even more minutes, I think that that shows that, okay, we know she has something there, so we're going to keep, you know, putting in the work with her. And then another team will hopefully get to reap those benefits. Uh, and I would like to see, you know, Chelsea Washington be on a team where she's even, she's able to get more consistent minutes. I think because we're so heavy on the midfield that she kind of gets lost in the shuffle with a little bit. And so I would like to see her you know, be able to kind of stand on her own two feet and kind of get out of anybody else's shadow and really be able to show, hey, listen, this is uh, what I can do. Um, Also, if they are looking for a young forward for depth, I would pick Abby Kim. She was really good for us uh, in the Challenge Cup. 
She's been good the last couple times that uh, we've let her onto the field. She has experience over in Europe. Um, so I think if, if nothing else, you know, kind of when the chips are down and you need a forward, you know, going out there, I think that Abby Kim would be a good pick. Um, I was a little disappointed, not a little, I was a lot disappointed that she wasn't able to get more minutes with Orlando. But again, you know, we were kind of set on who our forwards were. And so she just kind of languished on the bench. So that's who I would pick if uh, I was San Diego. So for Gotham, like I could see Freeman or Cujo go. Like obviously you can't protect everyone, but I will say who I want to see go. Uh, I know this might piss off a bunch of Gotham fans, but here it goes. Uh, now hear me out. You got to hear me out first. I want to see Didi Heritage taken by Angel City or San Diego. Now I've been saying this again. Hear me out. I've been saying this since the beginning of the podcast that Didi is a starter in this league. There's no doubt in my mind. Sheridan is the starter of this team for now until that trade goes through. Uh, that is not going to change. I love Didi, but I want what's best for her. I, let her be a starter and let her get paid more somewhere else. Besides her, no uh, hashtag, no more side hustle. Side hustle is photography, and she's always taking amazing beach photos. The West Coast seems like a great fit for her. And again, I want what's best for the player. Languishing behind Sheridan, who's younger and is a bona fide starter for this team for the rest of her career does not seem like a good fit. I doubt she'd want that either. Uh, so yeah, so I hope Didi goes, but uh, I could see Fre- Freeman and Cujo go. So that is the end of that. Uh, so that was fun, you two. I'm glad we were able to do this and we should definitely make this more of a thing going forward. Do you guys have any random thoughts to close out this episode? Michael, do you have any? Yeah, I wanted to ask you about uh, Cujo. Um, so obviously she was drafted by racing last year uh, and then went back to uh, Gotham and, and I don't think got a ton of playing time. Do you think she maybe regrets pushing for that since she's probably going to be on the, the unprotected list again? I mean, what are your thoughts around her? According to the coach, Parkinson, he said that it was just too many veterans ahead of her. And I can understand that. I'm still not exactly sure why she didn't play more under Freya. There was this stupid narrative that she takes too many stupid fouls and gets too many yellow cards, but she had two all season and Allie Long had six or seven of them. And it's just, it was a silly narrative. I still don't know exactly why she was not getting more playing time. But I'm assuming next season, Parkinson's going to be able to find time for her. But she wanted to be here, and I hope she does stay. I don't know if that's the best answer, but I think if she gets more playing time here, she would want to stay here. I think she'd take that as a a plus. But if Angel City or San Diego can guarantee her playing time, I think she would jump ship in a minute, maybe. I want her to stay. Any random thoughts, Bree? Would you want Didi to stay if she would be the starting keeper with Harris as her backup? Uh, no, no. Uh, I think she should be a starter. I think it would be silly for her to, have, let's say Sheridan moves on and we bring in Harris. She's going to end up sitting behind Harris. That's still not good enough. I think she's a starter. I want her to start somewhere. You don't think she could start over Harris? So I don't. I just, I think she could, 
But it's really hard to push national team players out of out of a lineup like that. You really can't. National teamers always get the choice pick. I don't know many national team players are in the pool that are staying as a backup. So, I uh, if, if if Harris is willing to come here and be a backup to Didi, yeah, fine, let's do that. But no, no, I want Didi to be starting somewhere. But. Yeah, so so my random thought for this week is I just started the Big Brother program this week. I'm so excited. My little is a very cool little kid, and I think we're getting along fabulously. I can't wait to drag him to some Gotham games eventually. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> but, so Gotham fans, we are not. Yeah, that's yeah, going to be good. Yeah, so Great. Thanks. So we aren't done here. We're going to have more content coming your way. We have more interviews, roster draft coverage. We'll be meeting and discussing how this we can elevate the podcast for next season. We've got so much new stuff coming. This has been a super fun experience so far. I'm looking forward to creating more professional level content. Also, we have an announcement. We put it up on Twitter, but we have added Michaela Alfano from Mickey's Mike's Ups to the team. She'll be adding a once a month podcast to be named later and writing articles for us. I'm so excited. She's incredibly talented and we look forward to her contributions. So everyone stick around. I have a short interview with Chris from Soccer Dossier about Gotham FC's draft options. Note that we did this interview before the newest trade. So if you hear that, disregard that (laughs) so all right so for brie michael and myself thanks to everyone for listening we will see you all soon be kind to each other like and subscribe to all three of our podcasts uh and michael's uh writings over there at floridalease.com all right we will see you all soon have a good night everyone Back to the show. We move on from the expansion draft, and now we're going to talk about the NWSL draft. I'm so thankful for our next guests. If you if you all think finding NWSL league information is tough, try looking for information on women's college soccer. It's nearly impossible. I say nearly because our next guest, Chris, puts together an amazing resource for college soccer called Soccer Dossier. I can't imagine the work that goes into all that, and we're going to talk about it. So we will discuss who... Gotham SC should pick. And then, so, you know, let's get to it. Welcome, Chris of Soccer Dossier to the show. Thanks for having me, Gary. Indeed. So, Soccer Dossier is a huge endeavor. I mean, I m- imagine putting all those things together. I don't even know where to start. So, I guess, why did you do this? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of work. Um, I, I did it because I watched, let's see, my first NWSL draft maybe two, three years ago, 2019. Um, and, and during the coverage, um, Jen Cooper and, uh, Lori Lindsay do like a great job. Uh, and I was, I was intrigued and I just wanted to know more. Um, and there, there wasn't a lot of, uh, draft information out there about, um, incoming college players into the NWSL. And as somebody who grew up with the NFL draft, which has, um, a ton of information, um, about everybody i just i just wanted more of that in a sport that <clears throat> i was getting to know and um just couldn't find couldn't find the info so it, it took me a little while but um finally figured out a way to put it all together and made a website 
Yeah, a, a long time ago, I, I used to watch like football, like regular American football. And I would do like fancy football. You would do those things. And every single time you went to go do that, there was a thousand websites. Everybody's got their picks. Everybody has their ratings and everything. So there's such a huge database for all that stuff. Yeah. When I'm, try, I'm trying to do this mock draft and I'm like looking around, I cannot find anything i know you know so your website again thank you for all that you do i sure. uh, appreciate appreciate it so there are hundreds and hundreds of college soccer players how do you keep track of them all oh well <laughs> it's tough um especially this year uh with with covid and everybody having extra years of eligibility and people having their rights claimed last year and still playing in college um, I, I picked a, a crazy year to start this, but um, I, I started this out by just looking at the past couple years of the NWSL draft and um, just looking at players and uh, what they had in common in terms of their college careers. So it was it, it turned out that one of the big things was ninety uh, percent of the players drafted since the since the NWSL started have come from just seven conferences in college. Um, Wow, so that that kind of narrows the field, um, and then sixty five percent of those players are conference all Americans. Um, so you look at that list and narrow that down, and um, it's still going through a lot of data and a lot of people, but uh, it helps if you can identify some big things and then put all those players into a list. So yeah, and one thing I had trouble is. with is when you see a player, you'll see. One website will say they're a defender. One website will say they're a midfielder. Mm -hmm. And then even if they are a defender, are they a left back? Are they a right back? Are they a wing back? Are they yep. a center back? So having to do that kind of research is crazy. Is that something you're going to be doing a little more of, getting deeper and deeper? I hope so. Um, I think that would be really helpful, especially for, mm -hmm. for you know people who are just, maybe their team needs a, like a left back or something. And you go to a website and it just says defender and you don't you know, know what they do. But uh, I think that would be a great addition. And yes, it would be something that I would like to do in the future. But right now, it's just kind of getting a big list together and um, taking it from there. So I'm going to have a lot more time to do this next year. Um, hopefully, I'll put out the 2023. Oh, they, they, they messed up the draft by putting it in December this year. So now we have two 2021 drafts. But um, it is true. Uh, so anyway, next year's draft. Um, hopefully, that list I can put out at the end of this, you know, this December. So I have a whole year to look at who's a left back and who's a center back and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, it's going to be an interesting year because a lot of players, as you said, were picked last year. At least their, you know, their rights were picked, and now they're going to be joining the team with additional draft picks. And there was like one of Gotham's draft picks last year that ended up. Two, two of them end up playing for their reserve team while playing in college. So who knows kind of what their future is, being that there's so many avenues now. Yeah, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the draft a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the, the top draft pick. Who do you think is the top draft pick and why? Um, I think consensus right now is, is Jalen Howell. So uh, midfielder for Florida State. Yeah, youth, um, uh, youth international uh, for the U.S. Women's and National Team under twenty, right? Yeah, yeah she's got national indeed. team experience. She won the Matt Herman uh, last year, which is best player in college soccer. Um, yeah, midfielder of the year in the ACC. She's got all this stuff. 
uh, I assume that she's going to be off the board number one with uh, Louisville. And then who is the top defender in the draft? Uh, Naomi Gurma from Stanford. Another um, youth international player, right? Correct. So the, the first round typically um, is people who have uh, youth international experience. So um, 100% of players the last three years have had youth international spirit experience in the first round. So that's a thing yeah. that we like to look for. Now, when we get down to Gotham's picks, I was looking at defenders and I ended up taking, uh, who did I take? Oh, Emily Madrill as a defender. And she's the ACC player of the year. Do you think that's a fair pick for the first round or would you have gone somebody else? No, I think that's a great pick. I think you did a good job. Um, oh. I think her and, and Jordan Brewster are two of the top center backs this year. Um, either of those. Yeah, and you gotta do you gotta do more of the videos on the players too because I was gonna I was gonna pick Madrid and I saw your the video on Brewster and she looks amazing. She looks she like does. she can really play. I mean, they both do. Yeah. We got highlights for both of them. Yeah. And then someone uh, made a comment about my next pick, which was. Um, Julia Grasso from Texas saying that international players from Canada and other places generally go lower in the draft, but do you still feel that that's a decent pick for the first round? I mean, I, yes, she's, she's definitely a first round talent. Um, I, I don't know. Um, the, the declaration for the, for the draft, the deadline is five days, I think before the draft. Right. Um, so she could play overseas. She could play in the NWSL. Uh, I don't know, but if she does declare, then yes, definitely first round pick. Yeah, and then there's going to be players that declare early. Uh, someone, a player just did two days ago. Uh, yeah, Diana Ordonez from Virginia. Yeah, she can play too. So that's going to mess up the front, first end of the draft. Do you think she'll be a first rounder? I think so. I mean, there hasn't been a person who's declared early that hasn't gone in the first round yet. So, so what other defenders besides Brewster and... Madrill, do you feel could be at the at Gotham at that pick? Um, I mean, Gabby Carl in our mock went before. I don't know if you're looking center back specific or you're looking outside back. Yeah, my first round was definitely center back. Okay, so yeah, um, I think Madrill and Brewster are two good ones that are probably going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, Leah Martin a little bit later from Michigan. Um, she's a good one too. Yeah. And if I'm looking at, say, a number 10 midfield, I know Grasso is not really a number 10, but do you think uh, Taglia Ferry would be a better pick as a number 10? Yeah, I think she'd be great. And she's from the area. So yeah, I think she fits pretty well there. Yeah, Rutgers is stacked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because so I know Ali's uh, already taken by LOL. And uh, I'm, I got to say, uh, Tierney looks like a monster. Yeah. A couple of years from now, she'll be a good one. Yeah, and she has the connection to Gotham, so hopefully she uh, gets taken by us in a later draft. But moving on, so Gotham is in an interesting spot because they don't pick until later on uh, in the draft because they have a uh, second round goes to OL, and they got the first round pick, the second one from Chicago, which is good. But getting into this third and fourth rounds, it's pretty much a crapshoot at that point. But... Uh, I did end up taking uh, Cecily Stout, uh, Stout from Georgia. How do you feel about her as an outside back at the next level? I, I think she's great. Um, I don't 
have too much to say about her. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of these players, um, but I have watched a little bit of her. And I think she's good. I think it's a good third round pick. Yeah. Uh, I think in the last round, this one's pretty much, oh, I picked uh, Hannah Schartz, who's I, I, it's one of the consensus she could be in a second or third round pick. So I think I got a pretty good one there, at least. Yeah, she's been really good for Colorado for a while now. So yeah. that's a good one, too. Indeed. So what players do you think are surprises in this draft? Do you think are not going to go as high as they should? Um, like players that are going later that should go higher? Or... Yeah. Yep. Um, I think most of them right now are just players that we don't know if they're going to go back to school or not. Um, people like, let's see, Carlina Sample went in the third round in this drafts. Um, right. She went in the first in our previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, just because maybe she'll go back. Maybe she won't. We don't know yet. Um, I, I would like to, if it's possible, and I don't even know if it is because I haven't looked into it yet, but um, just like reaching out to these players and seeing if they're going to declare before the declaration day. I hey. I don't know if that's a thing, but that would be great to know. Um, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. But yeah, she's one. Uh, Haley Hopkins, another one. Um, Emily Gray, also very good. These were all like third round picks that could definitely go higher. Yeah. And is there any potential Rodmans on in this list? Me, meaning players that didn't play college and are going to be incredible. No, I mean players that like are on this list are just going to turn the league and become like a rookie of the year type player. Oh, um, I think any of the top three picks that we have currently in this mock, Jalen Howell, um, Naomi Gurma, and Mia Official, are all very good players. Um, I don't know if they're going to take the league by storm like Trinity did, but um, they certainly have the chance. Yeah. And so what is next for Soccer Dossier? Well, the draft is coming up, so mm-hmm. that'll be a thing. Um, I'll have to post-draft. I'd like to look at, you know, who I missed and and uh, write an article or something about, about why. I think that would be great. Ideally, I wouldn't miss anybody. And we'll just move on to next year and talk about the 2023 draft. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So you follow the NWSL? I do. I, I live in Portland. I'm a Thorns fan. Oh. Uh, season ticket holder. So so a little bit about, a little bit disappointing, I guess you can say, because you kind of expect to win every year. Um, but so when it comes to the expansion draft, that's going to be interesting with Portland because they have a lot of USA national teamers. So how do you feel that's going to go for them? I mean, they're a very deep team. So I think anybody that they lose, uh, it'll hurt me because I like them all. <laughs> but um, I think they'll I think they'll be okay overall. It's a deep yeah. squad. And so if you were North Carolina, who would you be protecting, Mewis or Lynn Williams? Mm. That's tough. I know. I, I guess I guess Sam Mewis. Um, I don't know who's older between the two. I'm sure that oh, it's, uh, it. I think Williams is probably a year older. I think, but uh, I, I would imagine Mewis is probably playing the best soccer of almost anybody in the in the world. So I'd yeah, imagine. I imagine think Sam Mewis. I love Lynn yeah. Williams though; she's great. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I guess you're betting on somebody else being taken because San Diego and Los Angeles only get to choose one allocated player, right? Yep. So maybe they take Mallory Pugh or whoever Chicago doesn't protect because they got a bunch of them. Absolutely. And so what are your thoughts on Gotham FC this season as far as or you think they ended up where they should be? I mean, I, I think that they did a great job. They've been bottom of the barrel for a long time and turning it around and making playoffs here. Yeah. That was great. All right. So next season, are you going to be doing more videos for the players? I'm hoping to. Um, out of all of this, I think that takes the most amount of time because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I have to watch full soccer games and clip video. So it, it takes a long time to put together a three and a half minute YouTube highlight reel, um, much more than I was expecting it to. Um, but it's fun to do, and I would like to do it more. Um so hopefully, yes, there will be more of that next year. You need an intern. I do need an intern. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, do you have anything else that you want to plug before we head on off? Uh, no, I don't think so. This was fun. Yeah, indeed, Chris. We will talk more, and we'll probably talk again maybe right after the draft as we get ready for next season. We'll talk about who got drafted and all that stuff. So we would love to have you back on. But again, what you do is amazing, and it's such a a great service to the league itself. And we need more people like you investing in the league. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Indeed. All right, everyone. That is the end of our draft episode, episode 25 of soccer over Gotham, 25 episodes. Good Lord. That is a lot <laughs> for talking for one season. So for myself, Chris, we thank you for tuning in. We will see you on the next one. Be kind to each other and rate us on iTunes. Let's go Gotham. I can't wait to break down more off-season news for you guys. Let's go. Let's go.